Welcome, ACEC Kansas listeners, to the QBS Express, the ACEC Kansas podcast series. I'm your host, Scott Heidner. I'm the executive director for ACC Kansas. We're recording today at the beautiful Hotel Old Town in Wichita, Kansas. A lot of our listeners will have spent some time here, but if not, come check it out. Uh, it's a very elegant place, a very unique, um, independent hotel right in the heart of Old Town, which has a lot of cool things to offer, too. Uh, my guest today, very excited to have Gary Jansen from the city of Wichita. I know a lot, if not all, of our listeners will probably be familiar with Gary, both from working him with him in his role with the city and also with his engagement with KSPE and coming to speak to ACC events and other places. So, Mr. Jansen, it's an honor to have you here. Thanks for making time. It's my privilege. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, let's... Uh, Again, a lot of our listeners have some familiarity with you, but just for those that don't, let's do a, a quick drive around the block on the Jansen background, at least all the parts that haven't landed you in jail yet, and uh, and then we'll move on to the, the professional side. Where was, uh, where was home growing up? So I grew up in Newton. I think most people know where Newton's at, uh, if they're familiar with Wichita, just north of here, so... I spent a lot of time in Wichita as a kid and growing up, so familiar with it, certainly before I came to work for the city of Wichita. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And from Newton, went to school at? Newton High School. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Uh, graduated as a railroader in 1989, so yeah. Very cool. And uh, brushes with the penal system were brief enough. You were able to go on to college at K-State. It, it was, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I, w- I went on to K-State, you are correct, graduated from there, and December of 94, and I've worked for the city of Wichita ever since. I'll be darned. You know, I'm not sure. I've worked with you for a long time. I'm not sure. I realized that that was your very first professional stop. You've been here the whole time. It was. I 25 years in January. I'll yeah, it's gone fast. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we had listeners we were talking before the podcast as a as a dyed-in-the-wool Jayhawker. I'm, I'm not all that invested in football season coming up, but uh, my friend Mr. Jansen here is down in the Dauber because K-Staters are testing positive for COVID as we speak, and the football season's in jeopardy. Yeah, I hope it doesn't have any more impact, but, you know, we'll just watch and see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we uh, Strange times we live in as you and I sit six feet apart <laughs> doing a uh, COVID-appropriate podcast here. Uh, well, what uh, uh, what led you to Wichita? Was that just the job offer? This is a question we ask a lot of folks. Do you feel more like you found the job or the job found you? Oh, I think it was a little bit of both. I uh, My dad had worked in construction for about 40 years, and, and I, I liked the idea of being outside. I wanted to see projects getting built. Uh, I never really uh, had much interest in core design work. Uh, but more of project management. I worked two internships with KDOT, uh, you know, doing a lot of materials testing and inspection, something I really liked. Uh, I saw a job opening with the city of Wichita. I wasn't necessarily planning to come back to the area. I would have been open to look at other possibilities, but I I figured out pretty quick into the interview, um, too, with the city of Wichita and, uh, that I knew that was going to be a great fit. Uh, just talking to them about the type of work and the atmosphere and the people. Uh, I knew, I think then, you know, again, I, I was looking for something I wasn't expecting that, but it made it a lot easier decision for me at that point in time to want to pursue that. So. This is one of the other questions I was going to ask. Did you have an idea coming out of school, public versus private side? Were you 
kind of an open slate at the time, or did you know which way you wanted to go? I was open uh, as far as, again, not really wanting to work in design. I did not want to sit uh, in an office and, and, and do that type of work. So I wanted to be uh, somewhere that I could be involved in construction primarily. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know it during school that I knew that that uh, possibility even existed with most consultants, so I was more focused on the municipal side. I applied for a job, Missouri Highway Department. Thought it'd be kind of nice to go somewhere else. That didn't ever really pan out, so this has worked out well. And and having known what I knew working for KDOT for a couple summers, I think I'd gotten to the point that I knew that's really where I wanted to be. Yeah, I back up just a little bit. One thing I forgot to ask you: Did you know in high school that engineering was the path like that a passion for you and pretty clear path or it was uh i think it was a clear path probably uh, by my junior year in high school i had a real penchant for math and science which i think almost all engineers talk about and and my brother uh was in industrial engineering at k-state seemed to make a lot of sense uh, i like doing stuff with my hands building things um, so I knew I wanted to go into some type of engineering. I obviously had not figured out really what the different disciplines were. And when I went to K-State, I thought mechanical engineering sounded kind of cool. In hindsight, uh, as a 17 and 18-year-old, I didn't have a clue what mechanical <laughs> engineering was. And, and, you know, for all the mechanical engineers out there, there's no disrespect by any means. But I got into a core class or two and realized this is not for me. And then I, I really took a step back and got to f informed myself to understand what civil engineering was about. And I thought, you know, that is really what I want to do. Uh, I talked about my dad having been in construction, and it was similar to those types of things. And so I'm glad I made the change. It took me a little bit more time in college but uh, to get to that point. But I, getting a civil engineering degree was the best decision I made on that uh, yeah. in that regard. My college roommate was a mechanical engineering major, went on to be an Air Force pilot. He's a great guy, but he would uh, gleefully enlighten me about the difference. He would tell me that mechanical engineers build weapons and civil engineers build targets. targets yep. Yeah, I'm sure that's an old adage in the engineering world, but when I was 20 years old, I thought that was funny as it, hell. It, it, well, it is, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a pretty good analogy, yeah. Yeah. Well, now that, uh, you know, so all that background brought you to the city of Wichita, been here your whole career. Um, let me ask you this, give our listeners just the thumbnail sketch, because again, a lot of them already know, but your duties and your current position at the city encompass what? Uh, so my, my title as a city engineer and assistant director of public works and utilities is I have oversight uh, of our engineering division, it, it kind of uh, varies or will fluctuate between about 75 and 90 people. And we've got a project development group, which includes our uh, design staff and traffic staff. We don't do any design work in-house. That's all contracted out, as I think everybody knows. Uh, one of the things we do that people don't realize is management of the right-of-way. Uh, across the city, all the permitting within the right-of-way is a big part of what we do. Uh, we've got a uh, utility group that's part of our design section because we've got a lot going on with our utility in the city right now and uh, looking at long-term planning there. But our field office, our construction field office is at a different location uh, down by the river, and that's probably about two-thirds of our staff work in that group. They manage projects, um, complete all the materials testing, construction surveying, things like that. So I oversee that whole group. 
Uh, I spend a lot of time with personnel management, budget issues, but I've gotten to where uh, there's other things that we're involved in, uh, whether it be with the department. We've got one of the largest departments in the city with over 800 employees. And in, during these trying times, and I know you've got another section about this, so I won't go too far into it, we're really focused right now on, on how we keep going forward. So. Yeah, I assume part of your job, too, that's a pretty good overview of the internal dynamics, but I assume a decent part of your job is outward-facing, too, whether that's city commission, public meetings, uh, you know, press and, and publications, that kind of thing. I assume there's a component of that? It is. So I make uh, quite a few presentations to the city council, uh, whether it be for initiation of capital projects. Uh, there's a wide variety of things that we do. I was just in a meeting before this um, talking to some other people about wireless technology, and it's something I never thought I'd be involved in. But I've been up to the state house probably four or five times in the last couple of years testifying uh, about legislation related to wireless technology. That's a part I would have never guessed uh, I'd be involved in and starting to develop some expertise just by default of having been so involved. It's can, been a lot can of I ask you a question yeah, there? Let sure. me interrupt you for just a second. Most of your testimony, has it been... Uh, specific to your role with the city of Wichita, or has it been more on behalf of the industry, like a KSPE or that kind of thing? It has been specific to the city of Wichita okay. and the municipality itself and trying to protect our ability to uh, manage our right-of-way. It's, it's really nothing more than that. And you know, we, we've been tasked to be competitively neutral with the industry, and I don't, I'm not trying to get off topic here and, and talk specifically about that, but it's been for Wichita... Uh, just trying to protect our ability to still maintain uh, our current rules and regulations within the right-of-way. Yeah. So. Well, I'm going to take a little sidebar here of our ACC Kansas listeners. A lot of them are graduates of our Emerging Leaders Program, and I hope several other listeners will be graduates someday. Uh, listeners, you heard it here first. Gary Jansen, P.E., testifying multiple times in front of the Kansas legislature no worse for the wear, doing a service for the industry and the profession, and you can too. Uh, good lesson to take away, boys and girls. So that back on point, though, Gary, some of those outward-facing, um, everything you've listed so far, ironically, I thought you would go first to meetings with the public, but you actually went first to meetings with policymakers, both local and state. Um, that's a, that is a different uh, how do I want to say this delicately? That is a different audience than, you know, like a public engagement meeting with a neighborhood or something, the policymakers. It is. And, uh, you know, I that's one of the things I do more than anything is the public engagement uh, mm -hmm. with our citizens and others. But recently, and probably the reason why I went there is it's been more to the forefront. Um, you know, I also... Uh, was in Topeka not too long ago to testify in support of... Uh, the proposed new transportation program at the time, Ike, which now has been approved. So that's a great thing for, I think it's important for the city of Wichita, largest city in the state, obviously, to be represented. So that was a good thing to be there. It's good for all of us. I'm actually on a committee now appointed by Secretary Lorenz from uh, some people across the state to kind of serve in an advisory role for that. So Public engagement is the biggest part of what I do. Uh, it's one of the things I enjoy most about my job and working through and with our city council members, elected officials, 
uh, my boss, director of public works and utilities, the city manager. It's it's one of the things I've come to really enjoy the most. Yeah. Because I can't tell you I necessarily enjoy going to the state house <laughs> and testing. <laughs> you, you just uh, blew up my call to well, action of all Well, <laughs> it's uh, only because most of what I've been there for is to testify in opposition of legislation, and that's never popular. So yeah. it's, been, it's been a tremendous experience for it. I've really, really enjoyed doing it. And I'll keep do, I'll keep doing it. So don't get me wrong, Scott. I I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad experience. <laughs> it's an experience I never thought I would have, and it's been hugely valuable for me. Well, and I'm going to take another minute on this, which I hadn't planned to, but it is a passion of mine, particularly with our our leadership program folks on the ACEC side. But as we try and tell them all the time, you know, it can be daunting going up there, especially first time, first time or two. A little bit of a fish out of water and, you know, these are elected officials, statewide office holders, you know, it can be a bit of an intimidating audience. But as we tell our folks all the time, on the topic about which you are there to speak, nobody in the room knows as much as you do. And so it's, it's an incredibly important voice to have there for the engineering community, whether it's representing a municipality or the public side or the private sector like our ACC members do. So it uh, gets me a little giddy anytime I see anybody with a PE standing at the podium in the legislature testifying. That's pretty cool. You know, the and I might mention one more quick thing. I, what's interesting about it and why I like being there, um, it's just that uh, that particular topic with the city of Wichita, I've really taken that on. Part of it was kind of by default, but it's it's worked best for me to stay in the middle of that. It's pretty rare when I go up there that I'm I'm usually the only non-attorney up at the podium speaking. Sometimes you'll get a, a public relations person, uh, but mostly it's the attorney. So I make sure I qualify with the committee members that I'm not the lawyer standing up here, just right. so you know. But the practical experience that I bring to it that we've had with the, uh, the particular issue, I think has been really valuable. Yeah, engineers, and again, we try and pound this into the folks in our leadership program, but the credibility that the engineer brings just by being a part of the engineering profession, I mean, the data is incontrovertible that engineers are looked to as a trusted source of data, which is a very empowering thing to be that messenger. Well, I could go on and on about that for a long time, but let's uh, move forward. Something that will be of interest to a lot of our listeners. Talk about some of the fun and larger projects that you've got going on right now and maybe just as interesting, if not more, uh, some of them that you think are in the pipeline for the very near future. So uh, anybody familiar with the Wichita area knows that we've been working on expansion of US-54, what we Kellogg here to a six-lane freeway for a long time. Uh, there was a local sales tax referendum in 1985, and since 1990, we've been using a portion of that primarily for the funding source. So most recently, uh, we were awarded funding within T-Works for multiple projects. The state and the county completed improvements to uh, Kellogg and I-235, which was just such a great deal for all of us. But we're winding down on uh, two and a half miles of improvements on East Kellogg towards our east city limits. Uh, one portion of that project is effectively done now. The other will be done about a year from now. It's been a great improvement. We've heard a lot from uh, people coming into the city from the turnpike or the east end about how they kind of view that as a gateway. It, it's 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 really cool project. We've done a lot with um, 
visual enhancements, uh, landscaping and aesthetics, LED lighting. And so we're finally winding down. You know, uh, people who are especially been in Wichita for some time always claim that the sun's going to burn out before Kellogg's ever done. <laughs> but we, <laughs> man, that's really a, a function of funding, but nobody wants to hear that. Right. It's funner to talk about how long it takes. So. <laughs> We 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 will have a period of time uh, when when there's not much going on out there, whether people believe it or not. So we're winding down there um, right now. KDOT is working on a section of K96 235 west of what we call the North Junction, uh, expanding that to freeway, and that started mostly as a bridge replacement project. But it was good that KDOT funded it. Our big focus has been on the North Junction. Uh, we've been, it's a KDOT project, but the city and the county and the region have come together to really push for those improvements. Um, the first uh, announcement of the group of pipeline projects for Ike included the North Junction. We were awarded uh, $35 million in cost share funding through KDOT, which was a great thing. And, and you know, I want to say thanks to KDOT again for that. So the first phase of the improvements for the North Junction itself will begin next spring. We currently have a build grant in that we submitted in May. We're doing everything we can on lobbying efforts. To, uh, hopefully we have a chance. This is our third go around on federal grant request for that. We're pushing, uh, feel pretty good about it. That was a request for $25 million because that's the max for build. And if we happen to get lucky enough to get that, City, county, and KDOT have all committed to match the balance of the funding. So we would, we, that's a huge need. It's been identified as the highest priority transportation project in the state. So everybody wants to see it get done. Also within the KDOT pipeline projects that were included is improvements to K96 from 135 to Greenwich. That would expand that section to a six-lane freeway, which is really needed. That uh, section of K96 reached capacity a lot sooner than anybody ever expected. And that had a lot to do with the way the city's developed out there. Um, the area of Greenwich north of K96 has just exploded in the last five to 10 years and there's more coming, uh, generating a lot of traffic. So that's gonna be a great project. We're excited about that. We wanna be involved in that. Uh, we're looking at, you know, I just mentioned that we're gonna be kind of done on East Kellogg, but you know, we need to be not too far out thinking about extending past um, K96 and the turnpike there. Andover has a lot of interest in what looking at their future development uh, as far as uh, being able to go even past Wichita and into Andover. So we've got some big highway projects. We're hopeful that will keep moving forward. Um, and I mentioned being on that committee uh, as pointed by the secretary. And what's what's been good uh, and on that committee is we can kind of hear updated reports on revenue, uh, motor fuel taxes are a big deal, uh, and, and trying to understand where we're at. And, and even the secretary's admitted that we're going to keep moving forward, but there's still some unknowns, uh, even on the revenue source for Ike right now. But that's the best we can do is move forward. Uh, within the city itself, with, uh, you know, COVID's had a big impact on us, and it's going to impact our capital improvement program. We're hopeful um, that things turn around quicker than anticipated, but right now the city of Wichita is looking at a $30 million revenue shortfall for the rest wow. of for the rest of 2020 and into 21. And, and $30 million. 
Yeah, approximately 11 million this year and 18 next year. So that's a lot to overcome. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at projects within our CIP being delayed for several years, just, just moving out. And, and one of the things I looked at really closely with our finance uh, staff and manager's office was the design funds, which I'm sure is of interest to the audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things we, you know, I talked to them about is if you take the design funds and move them out two years also, and we'll all be hopeful at that point that things are looking up economy's recovering enough that we can start building projects we've got nothing to build because we haven't designed anything we could effectively create a giant four or five year old four or five year hole right in the middle of our cip if we're not strategic about this so i think we've found a way to leave in the majority of that design funding now uh, over the next couple of years to keep tracking and then and then the last thing i'd mention real quick we we do have a couple of projects uh, three, for sure, arterial street projects that we've been awarded federal funding through Wichita Area Metropolitan Plan Planning Organization. And uh, those projects will stay moving forward. Our city council, one of their priorities is where we can leverage outside funds. And so those projects will, will move forward. A uh, couple of them are on West Street south of Kellogg down to K42 and then south of 235. It is a really emerging corridor for us um, and showing a real potential for job growth. It's primarily industrial and commercial, but it's still showing a, a, a real um, trend towards growing right now. And that's where we'll have a couple of big projects coming in the next few years. So, it It's amazing how things change unexpectedly in all our jobs, but I'm thinking about yours specifically as you talk about the funding, just the impact that the COVID crisis has had, you know, $30 million in the next two fiscal years. I mean, that's, a, that's just a massive amount of money, even for a big municipality like Wichita. And think of KDOT. You talked about so many of the projects you had under um, T-Works, but then also the projects coming under Ike. And think about how much that's changed for people in your roles uh, KDOT has very intentionally, and I think uh, very wisely, frankly, changed the way um, the selection criteria to include a lot more local investment and local involvement. You know, you can affect the fate of your project, the timeline of your project, the selectability of your project by taking certain steps to partner with the state, manage scope contribution of local funds raised through whatever fashion and things like that and COVID, I mean, these are dramatically impactful things to your job that two years ago didn't exist at all, you know, not even on your radar. Uh, it's a lot to manage. It is. Um, you know, just when you think you got a handle on things, something like this that you would never expect comes along. Yeah. Uh, and, and we were clicking pretty well. And, and, you know, we'll get there. I can remember... Uh, in 2008 and 2009, you know, when the bottom dropped out of the economy, we thought then we would never recover. Um, I, the federal stimulus uh, funding was helpful. We were able to capture some of that and keep things going. But, you know, I can remember a time in there we thought, gosh, this is just uh, going to be such a challenge. And, and But, 
You know, uh, every, it seems like each one of these is a little bit different. Obviously, this is not even anything like that. Uh, and, you know, and I've heard our city manager portray it as really a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing that most people would never see. So still a lot of unknowns. Uh, still just don't know where we're at on a lot of things. Um, obviously, sales tax revenue is a big deal for the city. Uh, and impacts our transportation funding significantly when I talked about that referendum from 1985. So that's going to be one of our biggest issues is keeping an eye on that until people are able to get back out and come to the community or even get out in the community and start spending money again. It's going to be impacted. So we're, we're trying to get there. We've got, uh, I think our city manager and council have done a great job of leading us so far, but there's still so many unknowns that, you know, nobody's ever really dealt with this type of situation before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, little personal uh, note about how COVID has changed things. I was looking forward with great excitement about hitting a game at the new minor league ballpark, followed by an evening on the patio at Mort's, enjoying a, a fine hand-rolled cigar and uh, two, in my humble opinion, of the greatest American pastimes, and poof, no baseball. Very, very sad. It is. You know, we've got an absolutely beautiful baseball stadium that's desperately waiting for baseball, and, and it just makes everybody sick, you know, and, and to see it there. And our assistant city engineer was the project manager on that, and I can just even see it in him because he takes a lot of pride of having been involved with the project and everybody uh, just wants to see it happen. It it looks great when you drive by. It looks it so nice, but it also looks so empty. You yeah. Know? And, you know, the implications to the city for revenue are huge. Uh, me, I would have been here for a weekend watching games, spending money, staying in hotels, you know, and, and Lord knows I'm not the only one. So Well, that's the challenge. You know, the stadium, part of the stadium was funded based on that, uh, being able to generate additional revenue by bringing people down there. And, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I'm confident that at some point in time we'll get there. But it's tough right now. Well, let me ask you some questions I want to get in. We've talked a lot about the, the city and the projects. I want to get back a little more personal to you on our way out here. Uh, let our listeners learn a little bit more behind the curtain about what you do in your job and what you love uh, what's changed the most since you started your job? You know, I think the the easiest thing to reflect on is technology. When I, you know, 25 years has gone fast, but, but you look back, and I talk to my kids about this, and they just don't even believe me when I tell them, but when I started with the city working in our field office, we probably had nine or ten engineers, and there were two computers. Uh, a lot of the, the staff then had been around for a while. They weren't even interested in learning about a computer. But <laughs> I thought, how am I going to do my job without a computer? So I was able to swipe one and kind of commandeer it. A lot of our project management at that time was done uh, just by old ledger books. But, but you know, it worked. That's what people knew. Technology has just changed so drastically in everything that we do. Uh, I was out with one of our survey crews not long ago, and using GPS has really revolutionized that business uh, compared to when I worked in our field operations and the equipment we were using at the time. But materials testing, uh, just uh, the, the software and the programs that are out there, we've been able to develop uh, some decision support to tools and data analytics processes that are just ridiculous compared to where we were even five or 10 years ago that helps us make long-term decisions on funding, 
uh, especially on our operations and maintenance side. And so technology, needless to say, is, and, and I haven't even kept up with all of it myself. One of the nice things about hiring new engineers, not unlike my kids at home, is they've got it figured out pretty good. Yeah. The only other thing I would mention, too, is public engagement has come a long, long ways, and not even necessarily in the manner in which you can do it. Even over the last three months, we've all figured out a different way to do public engagement. Just the level that we've done that, the outreach that we've uh, uh, been able to do and come to the realization that we had to take a different approach than in the past. When I worked in our field office, uh, we'd, we'd get out there and start building big projects and, and we'd have concerns about things. People said they heard this and that before. And, you know, we realized at that time that we had a giant disconnect just within our own system of how we were transferring information and reaching out to the public. And it's become a lot bigger priority for us. It's become a passion for me because, you know, these are the citizens we're working for and ultimately that we're providing uh, these facilities for. So we need to keep them involved. Yeah. What would be, do you think, what would the public be most surprised to know is a part of your job on a consistent basis? You know, I talked uh, uh, a little bit before about my advocacy efforts, if you will. I don't think they, most people would realize. We, we get kind of labeled as the project guys, which is okay. It's what we do. We manage projects. We build public infrastructure. But there's so much that goes into developing a project from the very start and looking at priorities and looking at safety issues. Uh, that public engagement we talked about and, and trying to work with the city council to make uh, proper recommendations on funding. I don't think uh, even the people who live in Wichita, and, and this may be not getting exactly to the core of your question, but I don't think they realize just how big our city is. When you live here, it feels smaller. Uh, and, and I, so an example I've always talked about when I worked in our field office in particular, I would get people that would call and say, hey, this is Bob, what did you find out? I've talked to 100 people since Bob called. I don't even remember that Bob called. And there's there's not a real good concept or a feel for the, the enormity of what we do and, and how much we're involved in. You know, for the last uh, four years, we have averaged um, uh, 75 to $100 million in project expenditures every year. And that, and that can go up with some of the big projects. And uh, just just so many things that we're involved in uh, on a daily basis. I just don't think the public really has a concept of all that everything we're doing really to the public's benefit in the long run. Yeah. Well, one last work question, then I'm going to close you out with a couple more personal questions about sure. Gary Jansen. But if, uh, and I know this is always a rocky road because by naming some, you omit others. But have you had an individual or two that were key mentors and influencers in your career, uh, either as a kid prior to getting into engineering or professionally since you've come to Wichita? Uh, you know, one in particular that that I, I do want to mention, I always like to mention, is, is Jim Armour. He was our he was a city engineer before I was. I followed him uh, the entire path of my career. He hired me. Uh, was the person I interviewed with at K-State. He was our construction engineer at the time. I worked with him in our field office. Um, he moved up to City Hall to be our chief design engineer, which I never thought he would do. 
because uh, he didn't seem the type. Uh, when he moved up to be the city engineer and the design engineer position came open, something I never thought I had interest in because I never want to leave the field office, it was valuable for me to have seen that if Jim would do that, maybe it's not so bad. I was fortunate to be selected for that position. And then I followed him as the city engineer. And, and it's obviously not something you could predict, but I could easily say that the vast majority of everything I know now and what I do is 100% because of because of Jim and, and everything I watched him do, and, and I I've told him this before and it's it's not it's not a detriment by any means or a complaint about him. I learned so much about what to do from him and I some I learned so much about what not to do from him, because uh, he was a lot more bold at times than I would be and tried some things that have stuck with me about don't try that again <laughs> and and I absolutely admire him for doing that and I tell him that whenever I see him but uh he was a, a been a huge part of my career um just just by the way things worked out and following our paths together and and I tell him that whenever I get a chance so you know there's been other people I watched I mentioned my dad before and I, wa I watched how hard he worked and and luckily he's able to retire now and enjoy himself but uh, he worked in construction and was just a guy that worked hard and, and that helped to watch him and, and see his work ethic. And hopefully I got some of that, too. So I I, I liked what he did. That's kind of why I wanted to get into what I'm doing. But, you know, those two especially. So Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you and I, Gary, have worked together at least at arm's length distance for, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years uh, to one level of depth or another. But I remember Jim and, and I worked with Jim, not nearly as closely as I have with you right. over the years, but a little bit. And, you know, I, I knew him before I knew you. Uh, you know, I was a, a younger guy, and he was a, a seasoned guy yes. and a fairly straight shooter. And He definitely was that. I always knew when I – and I only had a an actual meeting with him where I solicited the meeting and I had something to visit with him about a couple times uh, – but I can tell you the second time, I sure as hell spent a lot more time preparing than I did the first time. <laughs> That's a good way to portray it. It was no different than when, when I worked for him either. Yeah. 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 And I do remember that. Yes. Um, and I remember after that first meeting, uh, it went fine. He was very gracious. Yeah. Uh, but it was very apparent to me I should have been a little more prepped before I came in. And, and it was pretty clear that the shortcoming was mine and, and he didn't have to say it for me to know that and I thought that was pretty cool he had a pretty commanding presence yeah. and uh, he had a way of, of doing exactly what you just said with that that I don't think I've seen a lot of people be able to do yeah well switching gears a little bit let's wrap up with this so um, between your your job and your kids I'm sure the idea of a free weekend where you literally have nothing to do but what you want is not much of a reality but hypothesize with me if you did what would Gary Jansen do to fill up a weekend of nothing but fun so you know I was I, I like to play golf I, I'm not I'm not ever going to be uh, uh, anybody that somebody's going to say he's a good golfer and, and that's all right I'm fine with that but I, I try to get out when I can. It's not often enough. I'm trying to get one of my sons to start playing golf. Um, we've started fishing a little bit more again. One of my sons had a friend that got him into it, so I've gotten both of my boys, uh, and we've got out and fishing more. Uh, my parents and I have a cabin at Table Rock Lake, so ideally I'd like to go down there. It's just a little bit harder to get down there as often. 
Uh, we were down there a weekend before last, and that's a place to really get away. Yeah. Uh, and so that's ideal. But, you know, you, you mentioned my, my kids. They're soon going to be – I have four kids, 21 to 27. And my oldest son's in New York in the Army right now, and he just had a baby. Oh, you're kidding. I didn't know that. Uh, five weeks ago. Congratulations. So, thank you. So I, I have a granddaughter. Um, people – Give me a hard time about calling me grandpa. I cannot call myself that yet, but I will tell you that I have a granddaughter. And so uh, FaceTime is a really cool thing. I've seen her there, but we'll finally get to see her in person here next week, actually. So I'm excited about that. He's getting out of the Army. Uh, we'll be back here August 1st. And so we got a lot of cool stuff going on. My youngest son is actually going to KU in the fall. So. You're kidding. You had not told me that no, either. I was well going to leave that out. Uh -huh. he, uh, he, ah. <laughs> there is a positive side to that. He uh, he's gonna, wants to be an architectural engineer, so at least I'm going to finally get one of my kids to also be an engineer, which is a good thing. And don't kid yourself, a little Jayhawk diversity in that household will be a good thing, too. It, it, it'll be fine. I've <laughs> resolved that there's nothing I can do about it at this point. So. <laughs> It's just going to have to be. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, as far as I'm, I had not heard either one of those pieces of news. As far as I'm concerned, they're both congratulations yes, thank worthy. You. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate granddaughter that. and a child that yeah. becomes a, yeah, a yeah. Jayhawk. That's fantastic. All right. Well, last question is this. We call this the lightning round. Sure. Um, first thing that comes to the top of your head. Favorite movie? Uh, Caddyshack. Solid. Absolutely solid. Yep. Uh, favorite book? You know what? I uh, I don't read much. It's effectively well, none. I knew you were so a K-Stater, but even if you colored it, you could you could. So so I'd, I'd be hard pressed to tell you the last <laughs> book I even read. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we used to have a joke about K-Staters, our friends there. We would say, "Yeah, as a tragedy is his house burned down, his entire library was." <laughs> engulfed he lost both books yes. and one of them he hadn't even finished coloring yet. that's exactly right <laughs> I, I i can relate to that all right last question and you know what sucks i've got we have more k-staters listening to the podcast than ku people i'm doing irreparable harm to ourselves with these jokes here uh last question is this uh favorite quote uh you know my dad uh always told me and then i I, it was funny because then, then Jim Armour, who I talked about being my mentor, he really drove this into us. But, but, but they always said to measure twice and cut once. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's something that always stuck with me. And, you know, as a kid growing up, I was always in shop class. So literally, it, it's something that I, I wanted to live by. I still tell my kids that. Uh, I talked to my staff about it because it was something Jim ingrained in me. And I think it's important to keep in mind. And. It, it can, you can use that in a lot of ways, and, and sometimes it's easy for us as engineers to want to jump to the end of things and really uh, just take off too fast. And so I encourage everybody to take a step back and make sure we've thought about things before we move forward. So Good counsel, sir. Well, Gary, thanks for making time to stop by and visit with us. Really enjoyed having you here. Thank you. I, I've enjoyed it, too, and I appreciate the invite. You bet. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in with us here with Gary Jansen in the city of Wichita, and uh, we will catch you again on the next edition of the QBS Express.